Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. And it is Mayor Thursday. It's also Groundhog Day. Uh, in case you're wondering, Phil saw his shadow, went back in to go to bed, and we're supposed to have six more weeks of winter, according to Punxsutawney Phil. But I think it's worth noting, and by the way, Mayor Chris Hart is with me from Ivan's. Thank you, uh, Mayor, for coming in. Glad to be here. Uh, it's worth noting that Punxsutawney Phil is wrong about uh, two-thirds of the time. And so you can take whatever happens in uh, Gobbler's Knob, Pennsylvania, with a very large grain of salt. So and of course it depends on where you live and it's it's a legend it's fun uh, Groundhog Day one of the fun fun movies of all time uh, where Bill Murray wakes up again and again and again and again and again and again on the same day uh, before he finally breaks the cycle but uh, yeah today is Groundhog Day Groundhog saw his shadow six more weeks of winter blah 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 whatever I'd rather listen I'd I'd rather have a, a digitized satellite photo than some rodent <laughs> trying trying to predict. The weather. Thanks for tuning into the show, folks. It's uh, about nine minutes after nine o'clock with Mayor Chris Hart from Ivan's City. How is Ivan's? Everything uh, going well out there in Ivan City? Well, everything's pretty broad, but most things are going well, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Come on, not everything, though, huh? It's 98%, though. That's good, right? Well, I was telling you earlier that uh, we just conducted this citywide survey, and at least we know now what uh, what has folks concerned or even upset yeah. in some cases. Uh-huh. Now, tell us about the survey. You, you said you had great success. More than 50% of the residents uh, responded. What what was the format of the survey? Was it a, an online thing? Did you mail things out? What was it? Well, it was initiated by the fact that um, we're, we're beginning the process of a general plan mm-hmm. review, and that's where you go through and look at the vision for the city and is it still accurate and uh, given growth and uh, other circumstances changing you know what what are our residents thinking about concerned about how do they see the future for the city Mm -hmm. and it's uh, difficult to get that information so uh, we held a series of um, town hall meetings where we invited the residents to come and talk about how they saw the future of the city what were they concerned about? What is important to them looking forward? Sure. And then we followed that up with a, with a formal survey um, that we mailed to every household oh, in the nice. city. And, Which uh, is how many? About 5,000? Uh, 4,400. 4,400 households. Okay. And uh, we got a little over half of those surveys back. Well, we sent the surveys out with a... Um, Return re, uh, postage paid return oh, envelope, so it wasn't terribly yeah. hard. Okay. But I mean, it took some time for them to answer the questions and then write their comments and send them back. And uh, you say more than fifty percent, which is fantastic. Most surveys, you know, people are happy if you get twenty five percent, and you got more than double that. Uh, and uh, what, what? Give me a sampling of what some of the questions were on the formal survey. How, how were they worded? What What were you asking people? Well, the first series of questions had to do with uh, the vision for the for the city. Mm-hmm. What what is the flavor of the city that you see out there in twenty five years or so? And uh, the 
the sentiment that we got back was that that we like Ivan City as a bedroom community, a mm-hmm. quiet uh, a quiet place with uh, some agricultural uh, open space and um, the recreational opportunities and trail systems and so forth. Uh, they expressed that they were very satisfied with our level of of um, of services in in most respects, uh, public safety, our roads, and so forth. So there was that type of thing. Then we then we asked about housing, and uh, resoundingly, our residents uh, responded that that they wanted uh, pretty much exclusively. Uh, low density single family housing. Okay, we've had a surge of of multifamily, uh, taller, uh, you know, larger buildings, kind of consolidated along Highway 91. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of folks that um, really didn't want to see that come to town. But um, we've got legal requirements and, sure. and so forth. So, uh, so we've got some things to resolve as we look at these survey results and now try and translate that into a revised general plan document, which eventually translates into changes in your ordinances as well. Did did you feel when you got the most of the surveys back that the average Ivins resident was happy with the way Ivins is right now? Well, I mean, the, the response to the question having to do with quality of life was, you know, 85-ish percent say right. yes, they, they, they love the quality of life in Ivins. But they're concerned about the commercial development that's occurring out there now. We've got these major, well, particularly one major um, resort development underway. Right. Another one that's uh, kind of taking its time, but, it, but it's a fairly substantial resort as well. And uh, really sort of voiced the, the sentiment that really don't want to see a whole lot of other commercial. Certainly not big box out there. Yeah. Although... Yeah. You have to understand there's a wide diversity of, of opinions, right? You get sure. you get from one extreme to the other, but I'm, I'm talking in terms of majorities, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so it, that presents another um, problem for the Planning Commission and City Council going forward, and that is um, our, our residents express that they want to have, uh, they'd like to see the city acquire uh, agricultural land for open space want to see the trail systems expanded more pickleball courts a lot of things that cost a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, but really don't want to have anything come into town really to help pay for it by so, the way except for uh what were the stores that they'd love to see come trader, yeah, Joe's, trader joe's hobby lobby, hobby lobby <laughs> sprouts <cheesecake> factory <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we know. so so maybe we could Lure, uh, you know, four or five businesses out there and have everybody be happy with it. But anybody else, probably not. The, the reality, as a, as a government official, you're like, look, you want all this stuff, but we've got to have some kind of, you know, sales tax money coming in to be able to pay for all this stuff. And, and it kind of puts you in an awkward spot, doesn't it? Well, cities only have have basically three sources of of revenue Mm -hmm. property tax being the primary one but then sales tax our share of it uh, being uh, a major secondary and then transient room tax in our case or resort tax that can be tagged onto that and uh and if you if you don't generate any of that i mean bedroom communities that fail to develop any commercial base end up relying on sales tax to to cover the long-term cost of operation and maintenance of the city. 
Right. And that becomes a really serious problem because uh, residents really don't want to see property taxes raised either, right? Right. So yeah. um, it's that. But, you know, we it was sort of a wish list when we sent out the survey. And so it's not it's not unexpected that we got back those kinds of responses. But we are going to have to face the harsh realities of state law and how that applies to housing and so forth. And and then really, how are we going to pay pay for the city long term? When uh, it was months ago, I had uh, Mayor John Bramall on from Hurricane uh, before before you know he uh, stepped down, and he said, you know, I get approached all the time at big developers, big, you know, people that want to put in a park or a mall or or whatever, all the time. They want you know, they want to know if that's something that they can, you know, give us a tax break and do you have uh, land that we could purchase. Do you experience that too? And Ivan, do you have people coming to you wanting to come in, and you have to kind of say, well, you know. Not really, and there's a an obvious reason for that. So we're we're part of the greater St. St. George metropolitan area, right? Mm-hmm. But we're on the fringe. We're out there. We don't have the rooftops to support that kind of commercial development, and True. even yeah. a build out likely won't. So when when Harmons came sniffing around out there, they looked at both Ivans and Santa Clara, and right. uh, and they based their decision on. On you know who, how many rooftops are in the, the, the prescribed people. circle, yeah. and uh, that's what put them where they where they're now located. And once that happened, um, we we knew that there would be additional commercial that would develop around that that you know central store. And there has and, been, and that's exactly what's yeah. happened. And and uh, and we haven't seen really any of that out in Ivan. So many years ago, twenty I think ish, we determined that our our most likely uh, successful commercial development was going to be resort related because we had Tuacon, right? Yeah. We had Red Mountain Resort, uh, Movara had had come our way as well. So it was obvious that we we had some appeal for that. So we really cities don't develop themselves, right Andy? You right. you you just set the stage for development to come and everybody else uh, the developers are the ones that risk their money and actually put in place uh you know what you're hoping or in or in some cases not hoping uh, to see arrive it's uh, i always equated to the old game sim city i don't know if you ever played that game on the computer basically you can zone it and but when people come and buy as long as they're adhering to whatever that zone is uh you don't have much control as a as a city management they 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 put in what they want to put in well so when I mentioned cities set the stage, that that stage is set with ordinances that define hmm. what is allowed in a certain zone. And so sure. you, you are able to control that to a point. Somewhat, yeah. So a particular zone has what's called a table of uses hmm. that, de- that defines the very types of development that c- can go within that zone. But when someone comes in and applies, if, that, if what they want is in, is in that table of uses – like it or not, it, it's very difficult to deny that. Um, we had a situation a year or two ago when Canyon Crossing uh, brought in their application. They're uh, located on the corner of Snow Canyon Drive and, and Snow Canyon Parkway. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a little bit of an uprising. You know, folks didn't want to have a gas station convenience store kind of strip mall looking thing going there but it had been in our table of uses for many years rightly or wrongly and uh so it legally we 
we the council didn't really have a choice but to uh, allow it yeah now let's get back to that survey one of the things that was very enlightening and, and you actually got some uh, media coverage uh, whether you liked it or not uh, was uh, everybody's number one concern when you got the surveys back people not surprisingly were worried about water yeah so uh, andy any anyone can go to ivans.com and there's a tab uh, on our city website that takes you to the general plan survey results so anybody can go read this and it's quite fascinating hmm. but we also invited andy instead of uh, or beyond just answering the questions folks were able to make uh, to provide written comments and one of our council members mike scott Mm-hmm. sat at a desk for days and days and read those comments into a word processing program. Wow. Uh, and so you can you can read the, <laughs> the written responses, which are uh, interesting uh, at least. But anyway, the, the program that he read, uh, that he dictated into, creates a picture at the end of the day that shows by the size of the word, uh, the word that was most often used in hmm. these comments. So the number of times it appeared. And water was by far the, the biggest word that appeared in that picture. I'm looking at it right now. That's a very cool picture. So, uh, uh, you know, and it, this, isn't, this isn't just Ivan's. People are concerned about what they, what they perceive out there as development that is going beyond our water supply. And um, they look at us as elected officials and say, when are, when are you going to uh, try and be responsible uh, when it comes to allowing additional development? Right. And the fact of the matter is we've got a lot of, of approved uh, development out there that, that would really pinch our, our water supply if it all happened uh, instantly. As you know, because you've talked to Zach many times, Yeah. <laughs> Water is a fluid discussion <laughs> because conditions change, and there are plans in place yeah. to, um, if you will, increase our source by reusing uh, the water. Um, and that's where this new secondary system that's being planned will come into play, and that, that right. will increase the amount of water that we have available uh, for existing and for new growth. And in addition to that, the the other uh, leg of that stool currently is is conservation and so the cities have taken as you are well aware uh, some pretty um, severe measures in in uh, new landscape ordinances having to do with new construction and so right. forth to try and limit the amount of water that has to be committed to any any new development at some point in time if this drought continues we're going to have to look at doing a similar sort of thing with uh, with existing residences i mean uh, it's a water is an essential ingredient of life right and uh there, there's almost a moral aspect to over to abusing the use of it as a okay take off your mayor hat for a second put on your developer hat what and we'll talk about current residents now ones that already have homes but as you're you know thinking about hey i wanted to do a development in ivan's what does that do to a developer? Does that handcuff you? Is it going to make it more expensive? Is it going to make it almost impossible? Or, or is it not that big a deal? Well, it is a big deal to me anyway. Okay. Um, we are w- working feverishly to come up with a, with a method of approvals and entitlements to water that, that don't allow 
uh, a single or multiple, for example, large-scale developers to simply come in and acquire all the water on paper. Right. We have to apportion it out so that as as development occurs, um, there's not there's not an, an extraordinary volume of water that's being essentially held in a bank by by a developer. And that those processes are pretty well thought through and and going to come into play here in I think the very near future. But uh, specifically, if I wanted to develop in Ivans, I would have to uh, at this point in time get approval from. Uh, it goes through the planning commission process, but get approval from the city council for that development. If it involves a zone change, I've got to do that first. And we have projects that have gone through those processes. Sure. So the the question is, is there going to be water available for uh, those projects as they as they develop out? And that's what the district is trying to figure out the solution as to how how do you apportion that out? Yeah. But but residents are very concerned about that, and rightly so. I have, uh, you know, in in another city, I have some uh, privy to some of the conversations going on there. Uh, And they're like, yeah, we're approving plats. We're approving these developers to build, uh, but we're not. We're we're telling them right up front, we have no, there's no guarantee that by the time you finish your development, all those houses you just built will have water. There's no guarantee there. Is that unfair to the developer? Well, the development industry has a very high level of risk right it's it's subject to market forces and you would know (laughs) and downturns in economies and interest rates and all those things this i think further complicates that because i think developers are going to have to look at acquisition of land Hmm. um investment in infrastructure and and how you're going to phase that in in what size in what size um Sections? Are you going to subdivide your your property and and uh, and build on it? Right. And and I think you know most developers are pretty smart when it comes to trying to make their business profitable. And I think that they'll they'll include water in in any analysis that they go through. I certainly would. Yeah. Uh, funny thing, in fact, when I came here in 1997, I think it was mm-hmm. the first plat for for one of my projects up along Tuacon Drive came back with with the note stamped on it Ivan City does not guarantee what that water will be available really? for this project really way, way back in 97 because, huh? because Ivan City had run out of its own uh, its own available water hmm. so the district saved our bacon when they when they built the reservoirs and, and allowed a city like ours to to buy a block of water that was devoted then to our city wow. that's what that's what's allowed us to to de- continue to develop for the last 25 years Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, you know, the obviously water is heavy on people's minds. And it's funny because I think it, you know, it'll rain for a few days and people will go, okay, we're good. And it's not, obviously, it's not that simple. Uh, but it, 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 the, the, the conversation shifts every time we get a good, you know, we, we had, what did we have, like 10 days of, of off and on rain? And everybody's like, well, the drought's over. And Zach Ransom will remind us all, no, the drought is not over. <laughs> uh, but, um, and even if it were, Andy, uh, the experts remind us that it takes years for right. the ecosystem to recover from a drought. True. So uh, it isn't as though we have one good uh, wet year and and our problems are solved. That's just simply not the case. And in in the case of Washington County, whose whose 
exclusive water source is the Virgin River drainage, right? Right. That's all we got. That has essentially, or is rapidly becoming, essentially all allocated. So in the past, when there was a water shortage, what that required was that that, uh, people step up, pay the bill to put in a new reservoir, additional infrastructure to draw in additional resource, right? And that's, that's, how you, that's what you grew on. Yeah. Well, now we don't have additional Virgin River drainage water to draw in as a resource. And the Lake Powell Pipeline, if it ever happens, it's many years out. So conservation, meaning use, use it prudently uh, so that it, you stretch out the use of it a little bit, and then reuse, which is a, a model that many, as you know, southwest cities have adopted. Las Vegas is probably the prime example of the, the reuse model. They, they basically use a drop of water seven or eight times before mm-hmm. it's used up. And uh, we're going to have to do more of that here, too. Um, are there people out there in Ivan's city, and, and, I, and I, don't, I don't mean to single out Ivan's, but there are other cities who have water abusers, people who... Look, I I worked my whole life. I have a bunch of money in the bank. I don't care if it costs me more to use more water. Are there people like that? And and what do you do with someone like that? Well, it's funny you'd ask me that question because I have my own thoughts about that. But it's <laughs> it's not it's not water policy yet. the The statistics tell us that the top ten percent of water users, so ten percent of of the people on the system mm-hmm. or households on the system use 25% of our, our available water. Wow. And we have, we have major offenders who, so when, when you go in, Andy, to get a building permit, sure. the district is required by law to allocate a certain volume of water to your hookup okay. each year in perpetuity. Historically, that number has been 0.89 acre feet. So folks who came here 20 years ago, when they bought a permit, they, they, were, they had that much water committed to their property, 0.89 acre feet. Okay. That number now for new construction has dropped down to 0.59 acre feet. Really? Okay. But just to give you an example, there are, there are households out there and spread among the cities. I even have one in my own city that are using more than five acre feet a year. So six, seven, wow. eight, ten times, ten times as much. the amount of water that they are that they are technically entitled to. Now I don't know how this is gonna go, but but in my personal opinion, we need to alert folks who are overusing that something's coming down the pike that's gonna make water very, very much more expensive in if it's being abused in that way. Now, uh, w- once again, I'm just speaking from my own personal opinion. Right. There's been no action by the by the Water District um, Board of Trustees or anything like that. But I think I think unless we set up, so you mentioned, hey, I, I'm a we're wealthy, don't care what the water bill is. Yeah. Well, what if it's ten thousand dollars a month because I'm using that volume of water? Might maybe I'll care. look maybe I'll look closer at it. <laughs> We're talking with Chris Hart, Mayor of Ivan City. It's 931 on KDXU. Get a quick break and we'll have more with Mayor Hart. You okay to hang around? Sure. Awesome. All right. Uh, First of all, let's uh, check in uh, with weather here on KDXU. It's the Andy Griffin Show. 
dash of conservatism, a dash of attitude, and a pound of truth. Only on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back, 935 on KDXU. I'm Andy. Mayor Chris Hart is here on Mayor Thursday. He is the mayor of Ivan City. Mayor, thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Glad to be here, Andy, as always. We were talking a little bit during the break, and I'll, so I'll let you continue on uh, water abusers, uh, some of the stories that you can tell. Well, it's just interesting how how different cities have responded to this same problem that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of a couple, or maybe more, uh, down in Arizona at least, that that um, send out a warning. Right, you're you're overusing. Now, let's face it. Sometimes that's a leak, and right. so we need to ha- ha- have it, people. Yeah. We need to make people aware that they're they've got water flowing into the ground. But in a in consistent overuse, that's typically not the case because leaks usually get discovered. So. Uh, in the case of, a, of uh, where the, the extravagant use of water is is immaterial to um, the to, to the owner because yeah. of their socioeconomic status, some cities now are are systematically going out and putting restrictors on oh. the meter. And I'm aware oh. of one case, and you'd recognize the name, but I'm not going to say it, <laughs> of, uh, of a celebrity who, who was substantially over, overusing water. And they went out and put a, a restrictor on, then a smaller restrictor, and then a smaller restrictor to the point that it took five minutes to refill the toilet. Well, <laughs> that, that's what eventually caught their attention. Hmm. Now, hopefully nothing ever that draconian would happen here. And we've got wonderful people that live in this in this county. <clears throat> you look you look at the people who are uh, who are living in older homes that are voluntarily changing their landscape, ta- right. taking out um, decorative turf and and putting in uh, more drought tolerant types of vegetation. That's happening all over the place. Not everybody's doing that. There are incentive programs. In fact, a brand new one now that's uh, that's coming through the district. A two dollar a square foot rebate yeah. to replace turf with a with a, a more desert landscape, and that's probably going to incentivize others to do it. But man, what wonderful people! In in my own little project where I, my wife and I live in Ivans, they had um, and I developed the project. So. Foolishly, we put a lot of grass in this in this entry area and around our our clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, just last year, the the uh, HOA board decided that that was not prudent, and they removed all, all that with no incentive money. It just just because they thought it was a responsible thing to do. So the Copper Canyon HOA board took out all that turf and and, and and did a beautiful job of relandscaping. In my opinion. It looks better than the gopher hole filled <laughs> grass landscape that was there before. Had a neighbor just down the street from me. I don't live in Ivans, but they, I live in St. George. But uh, they just took out their uh, grass or real grass and put in uh, desert landscape and even a little bit of artificial turf in there. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. And I don't know if they were, you know, we talk about the rebate. First of all, unless you do all the work yourself, little sweat equity, it's not enough to pay f- no to pay for it. But it it might be enough to give you the impetus to go. You know, I was thinking about doing this. Well, I can make six hundred bucks. Okay, I'll go ahead and do it. Yeah, it softens the blow, right? Yeah, 
So, so uh, I think you know it's it's really cool. Uh, maybe we're helping the turf companies out there, but uh, and, and uh, you know uh, more power to them. And they they they've seen an opportunity. And I know we have a sponsor here on on KDXU is a turf uh, artificial turf company, and they're benefiting uh, from this idea. But uh, you know I, I've heard people say, well, gosh, you know I lived in. I lived in Arkansas. I lived in Minnesota. I lived wherever, and we had grass, and it was no problem. And I always tell them, "Look, you don't live in those places anymore. We're in the desert. We're, we're, yeah. I mean, it, it's just like you had forty inches of rain a year back yeah. there, and we're down to whatever it is, eight or nine. I never knew. I, I never knew sprinkler systems existed. I grew up in Texas. You didn't water your lawn in Texas. You didn't have to water your lawn in Texas. Every once in a while, if you hit a dry stretch, you might put a, a handheld sprinkler. You take it out yeah. there and put it on there. That's the only time we ever watered the lawn. So when I got to Utah and said, well, yeah, how's your sprinkler system? I said, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that is. Well, there's pipes under the ground and water comes out and it waters your grass. And I said, well, if it's that bad, why do we even have grass? And that was, uh, I asked that question 30 years ago. And now it's finally coming. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we probably shouldn't. Well, so. I mean, as you know, turf is kind of the villain out there, mm-hmm. and uh, and rightfully so. So, uh, if you've lived here for forty years and, um, and and you're in the same home and had that grass all this time, there's the sentiment out there that, hey, why why should I give up that right for someone else to for move the in new from guys. elsewhere yeah. and and take that water that I, that I'm going to save. And, uh, and I do understand that mindset. The, the, question, the follow-up question that has to be asked, though, Andy, is are we concerned about the long-term welfare, the, the, the long-term economic strength of this county? Because if we are, we're going to have to find ways to allow uh, development to occur, additional businesses to come into the, into the area and so forth. And um, if we don't do that, and we, and we freeze the economy and eventually uh, choke out growth altogether, recognizing that our economy is roughly 30 to 40, I don't know what the, there are a lot of different forecasts on that, but 30 to 40% dependent on growth. Growth, yeah. So, and that, yeah. that's all business re- related to that. Well, if you flip the switch to off on growth, you're sending 25% of our, of our workforce someplace else. They're going to leave, yeah. Right. And um, what does that do to the real estate market? You just had Jeremy Larkin on. What, what does that do to the housing market? What, uh, does, what, yeah, what does that message send to a tech company that's looking to locate up on Tech Ridge? Uh, it says, well, um, we're, we may not be able to accommodate the workforce right. that you're going to need to – to be successful in that business. And so we'll go somewhere and, and, that and does. That, and that's really, mm-hmm. that, that's a discussion I don't hear a lot, but it is a, it's a very real thing. Now, I have a lot of retirees in my, in my city, folks who've been successful in business, and now they've, they've, uh, they've established their, little, their dream life here. Yeah. And, um, and that those sorts of issues aren't, uh, aren't at the top of their list. Sure. And the survey revealed that, right? Um, really, they really didn't want to have any uh, moderate income housing even come into the city. The, the st- statistically speaking, on, on the survey, right? Well, state law requires that we accommodate that, and um, anybody that's got a family that'd like to see, you know, one or more of the kids stay in the area, realizes that you have to somehow make provision. 
for that. And the state legislature is making sure that we think of that. We have to report to them every year on how good a job we're doing with that. But if your mindset is, hey, look, I'm going to be around here another 20 years, 25 years, and after that, uh, you know, it's somebody else's problem. But but I think responsible um, individuals need to need to be very conscious of the implications of some of these different scenarios. Where does that lead us and uh, our kids and their kids and others who come to the area in the future? What what sort of mess are we making for them hmm. if we don't do some of these important things? And by the way, I am a perfect example of what you were talking about. I had raised five kids here. Uh, guess how many of them live in Washington County right now? I'll bet none. Zero. Yep. Not one of them. They and you, and you're away. not alone, right? Yeah. How many times, Andy, have have you heard um, the the school district mention that they hire a, 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 a new group of teachers? They open a couple of schools, right? Bring yeah. in teachers from from outside to uh, to fill the the need there. And they're here for a year, living in an, apart- in an apartment while they're looking for a home, and never find anything that they can afford. From a city point of view, you know how difficult it is to hire um, a police officer now or firefighters? Mm. I mean, you can do it because there are great people out there who still want to provide that service to, to their fellow citizens. But um, it's driving the, price, driving the price up on that labor which, frankly, I'm happy to do that. They deserve it. Um, the, the service they provide to our city, they, they need to be paid a living wage. They need to be able to live in a, in a community and, and raise their families. But it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging thing, not just for school, the school district, but for businesses. Um, what about these big resorts that are coming out in, into Ivan's? We're going to need over a thousand um, staff, a thousand people on staff, thousand workers there, to accommodate all of the all of what's going on there. Well, so should Ivan's say? And I actually had someone stand up in in one of our open meetings and say they should live elsewhere and be bussed in. Hmm. That that's almost a direct quote. Wow. Well, that. That's a little troubling to me, right? On, mm-hmm. on many levels, um, I, I don't want our, our city to be seen as as an elitist area, uh, and maybe there is some of that. But I don't think that represents the general point of view. So the the challenge for us uh, is, okay, we've heard what our residents have to say. We know they don't want high rise, uh, multifamily development, and so forth. So the the question becomes, how can we somehow accomplish the things that were, were required by law to do right. and and as responsible elected officials should do in in a way that is uh, tolerable, if you will, to those of our residents who already live here. And that's going to be tricky. I was going to say, it sounds tough. Actually. It is tough. Well, I mean, yeah. the state legislature um, a couple of years ago uh, made accessory dwelling units legal everywhere, right? So uh, you can have somebody live in your basement if you can uh, qualify, mm-hmm. uh, but what's the next step? Because not everybody's going to do that. Well, no one wants to hear this, but you know what? What we we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about affordable housing. Mm-hmm. It's a myth. There is no such thing. So <laughs> let's get real. Let's talk about more affordable housing. Yeah. Do you know what the next level of afford of affordability in housing is? What's that? It's manufactured housing. 
Ah. Now, you just bring that up at any city council and, you, and see what the turnout is, There's going to be a firestorm, right? yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, Andy, I can go out tomorrow and I can buy a manufactured home, mobile home or just a, a modular type home, mm-hmm. for $120,000 or less. I mean, they, they go clear down to like $65,000. Yeah. Well, Where are you gonna if, put them? if your average home in Washington County is 400 and some odd thousand dollars, and you can put that on a on a block foundation on a small lot and sell it for 175,000. Well, there's an affordable house. Now, are we honest enough with ourselves to look at that and say, "Hmm, okay, if we're going to solve affordable housing, is that an option?" And now out in my city, height and color are the big deal. That's why they got referred to as barrack type housing, you know, the the large apartment type complexes. Mhm. Um our folks don't want that. Well, are we willing to look at something that's only 10 foot tall and is in a community, you know, surrounded by, by a block wall? Is that, is that more, and you can control the color. Yeah. Is it more more palatable to them? I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Well, the answer is no, no, (laughs) (laughs) but, but something's gotta be, like you said, you have a problem that needs to be solved. We've got to figure out how it's tricky. Like you said, yep. All right, we'll take a break. More with Mayor Chris Hart from Ivan City after this. Hey, did you know you can listen to any of the old Andy Griffin shows, my show, anytime you want? Through the app, just click on On Demand. They're right there for you. Or if you're looking at 890kdxu.com, just click Listen. It'll give you two choices, Listen Live or On Demand. That's where you'll find all the podcasts of all my old shows dating back more than three years of Andy Griffin shows. Give it a try. It's the old Andy Griffin podcast shows right here on 890kdxu.com. And thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. Andy Griffin with you every day here at 9 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, on this Mayor Thursday, Chris Hart from Ivan City is here. Chris, thanks for coming. Thank you. Chris has kind of got the Dick Clark thing going. He looks like he's about uh, 45 or 50. (laughs) He's a little bit older than that. So... uh, I'm fascinated as we were talking about. Oh, I thought it. you were joking. No, I'm not joking. No, you look good. You look good. I, I, I'm fascinated as we talk about this. I mean, you're you're talking about a problem that is is actually going to be have to be faced by all the cities in Southern Utah. Of how do we, you know, how do we pay our school teachers when they can't afford a house? If I'm a school teacher and I make sixty thousand dollars a year. Uh, you cannot get a loan for a $600,000 house with a $60,000 a year salary. It, it doesn't work. The math doesn't work. Maybe back in 08 you could have. You could have yeah. lied to them or whatever. Well, go, go back three years when the interest rate was uh, 3% or 3.5%. Right. And now look at trying to do that at 6.5%, yeah. right? I mean, all, all of a sudden that you're, you're pushed back $100,000 in home price for what you can afford and just take a look at how many of those are on the MLS. So, so with that problem at this point, uh, guys like you, mayors and city councils are going, all right, what, what can we do? And, you know, I, I think in parts of the County, you know, you know watching the city, we see big old giant inter- apartment complex coming uh, complexes coming in, even St. George hurricane. Uh, but uh, that's not necessarily the, Right answer, right? Well, we better figure it out because yeah. because what's happening um, kind of behind the scenes, because most people are not aware of it, is that the state legislature has been systematically, and it's a, it, let's face it, it's a developer-dominated 
legislature. It has been for a number yeah. of years. And so they, they tend to carry the day when it comes to housing-related issues. And um, they're, they're working their way towards removing all or part of the city's land use authority and basically saying, since you create all these obstacles for, uh, on, on housing affordability, we're simply going to take your authority away mm. and allow what needs to happen through the state for the for the anticipated growth, and you don't get you don't get to say, uh, say wh- where it's going to go or what it's going to be. Mm. And I'm not I don't throw that out there as a, as a scare tactic. This is a very real thing, and you can talk to the, legis- the legislators that represent us, and they'll echo that to you. Which means that if uh, they 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 pass that and take the, the power away from the cities themselves to build an apartment building where they want to or not. I mean, hard to say how that would all turn out. There'd right. be a lot of resistance to it, as you know. But if something like that were to pass, the the odds are that zoning would, would be a very different process than it is now. Uh, public input would would be uh, of minimal impact because uh, it, this is, becomes a state-run function. And it's it's looked at not from the vantage point of what is best for our city, it is what is needed in the state, and here's how here's how we're going to get it. And you cities, which are creations of the state, and under the under the regulatory uh, rule of the of the legislature, here's what you're going to do, or here's mm-hmm. what we're going to do, and you can't say anything about it. You referenced earlier, uh, maybe one fourth of our industry here in Southern Utah is the construction industry and the and the, the stores and businesses that that support that. Uh, do you see that changing anytime soon? I, I, I mean, it was agriculture here, then it was construction here. Will technology eventually take over as the main industry here? Or are we, that's just how it's going to be. Well, um, I just attended the What's Up Down South Summit yesterday, as mm-hmm. many did. And uh, a couple of the, uh, the breakouts I went to uh, had specialists there telling us that we have a pretty diverse economy. Utah Certainly does. Maybe Washington County uh, a little less. Right. But we have tourism and other things, you know, b- besides besides growth. But there's no f- no question that at this moment in time, growth is a huge component of of what what propels our economy. Sure. So w- once again, if if that shuts down, and the water district is doing everything it can to at least allow a, a measure of growth to continue over the next number of years. Right. At, some point in, in, at some point in time, if the Lake Powell pipeline does not materialize, then there is going to come a day where we'd better have, have our, our eggs in a lot of different baskets because yeah. the, the day may come where it's going to be very difficult to add, uh, add another hookup here in the county. But that, I think that's a long ways off, um, hope, hopefully 15 years uh, at least. Lake, Lake Powell Pipeline, I, I remember, I mean, we're talking four years ago, Zach Renstrom on my, on my show saying, basically, if we don't get the Lake Powell Pipeline, there will come a time where we will have water restrictions. There will come a time when uh, we're going to have to start telling people no that want to build here, that want to develop or, or do uh, those things. Uh, and, and it's funny because the Lake Powell Pipeline was almost a slam dunk like three years ago. And then, I mean, it felt like it was going to happen. And then... The resistance was there, and, and, and the EPA, the impact reports and all that stuff took so long. And now all of a sudden it feels like maybe it's not going to happen. Uh, but I wonder, 
<clears throat> and I'll ask Zach this uh, uh, to his uh, right to his face when he's on the show later this month. But uh, does that mean that you know if, if if it doesn't happen, does that mean we are going to have water restrictions? Who, who's to say? Well, it's not just the uh, conservation groups that are opposing this. It is uh, it's the lower basin states now, and there's yeah. al- already litigation in place. And who's to say how far that's going to go? Um, we were just informed by Zach the other day in in, uh, in the summit that uh, there is a, a, a suit being filed by the Southern California Water District um, that is going to lay claim to some of our Virgin River water that we yeah. never thought anyone else could touch. So keep your ears to the ground. I uh, yeah I. I Honestly, that is about as surprising as you know as as uh, the sun coming out in St. George. I I could see Southern California going. You know what? You guys haven't used it for so long. We're just going to take it now, and it's our right. And and it's not at least not according to the original compact. They are they are a non collaborative, uncooperative state. Hmm. Every every other every other lower basin state is trying to work together, and California is saying no. We deserve everything we we can get. Always fascinating talking with Chris Hart from Ivan City. Uh, you have a, a really cool perspective, big picture. I like you, you. You're pretty good at the big picture. I like that. Well, thank you. So, uh, and thanks for coming on today. Any final words about Ivan City that we need to know before we let you go? Absolutely beautiful, wonderful place to it's, live. It sure is with fantastic people that live there. He is Chris Hart. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for listening today. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. Appreciate you. Thank you, you. Andy. Tomorrow, open line Friday as we get ready for another big weekend in Utah's Dixie. Thanks for listening, everybody.